0: Second Captains on RTE Radio One, sponsored by Audi Ireland. Future is an attitude. You don't
1: understand, I could have had class. I could have been a contender.
2: I could have been somebody.
0: So he's almost like having a second captain in the team second captain first captain whatever hello everyone welcome to second captain saturday after the success of our chat with fiona shaw last week we're dipping back into the acting world today by spending some time in the company of a man who is having a hell of a summer so far receiving rave reviews for his performances in constellations at the gate and currently starring in the new apple tv series bad sisters that looks like being one of the year's biggest hits He's worked with some of the world's top movie directors over the years, has starred in some iconic TV shows, and has even written and directed his own comedy series. I'm very happy to tell you that Brian Gleeson is on the show today. Hey, Murph. Hey, on How's it going? A question for you, Kieran. Back when you were doing your leaving cert, what sort of part-time work were you doing to keep you going? Ooh... Uh, well, I'll tell you now, On. I was working
2: in Fallon's Man's Shop. That is the name over the <laughs> over the uh, the front door. <laughs> Fallon's Ma- no, not Man's. Fallon's Man's, man's Shop okay. uh, in Chewm, uh Shop Street in Chewm, uh And yes, On, it is that Fallon, J- Jarlett Fallon, one of the great Galway footballers of the last fifty years. Oh, His, your sporting hero! Wow. Yeah, m- literally my sporting hero. His brothers run, own and run a clothes shop in tune the, the okay, sum total okay. of my tasks in this shop was to point people in the general direction of a pair of jeans that i could sell them and then talk about Galway football for as long <laughs> as they could bear me <laughs> uh, and i can tell you i was better set for one part of that
0: job than the other but i was capable of doing both uh, in right. small doses so you probably think that's pretty glamorous just two degrees well, of I separation mean, from Jeff Allen. fair enough that's fair it enough. doesn't get any more glamorous than that Oh, it does, Kieran. i I'm here to inform you that when Brian Gleeson was doing his leaving, he was combining it with acting in a John Borman film called The Tiger's Tale, starring alongside one of the most famous Irish actors in history, Brendan Gleeson, who also happens to be his dad. Now, that just about beats you for a glamorous part-time mixer there, I'm sure. score drill. <laughs> Score draws fair Of course it was more than a part time gig for Brian Who has gone on to appear in Love Hate As John Boy's somewhat erratic Half brother Hughie uh, Peaky Blinders he played Jimmy McCavern The leader of the Billy Boys He was brilliant in Rebellion The RTE drama about the events surrounding The 1916 Rising His movie career includes films directed by the biggest Names in the business like Steven Soderberg And Paul Thomas Anderson He wrote and directed the very funny Frank of Ireland Along with his brother Donal and you can watch him right now in the brilliant new dark comedy, Bad Sisters, the first four episodes of which are out on Apple TV. And his portrayal of his character in this one is so good that it has me asking myself the question, am I actually rooting for an insurance salesman who's going to all sorts of nefarious lengths to ensure he doesn't have to pay out on a life insurance policy? Like I said, it's a dark comedy. And that's a question that you may wrestle with if, you, <laughs> if you watch this show. He plays the character... Brilliantly, and we'll talk to him a little bit about that later on. Not only does Brian deliver a cracker of her performance, he also stars alongside Sharon Horgan, who created Bad Sisters. Sharon, of course, a former guest on Second Captain Saturday. So maybe Brian has cracked your formula, On I just what? know Fiona Shaw went top of the leaderboard last week, in part because she was mates with a previous guest, Dorothy Cross. So, you know, people are doing a lot of research now on how exactly to get in mm-hmm. your good side. What is the latest in the race to become? The Second Captains, mm. non-sports, greatest non-sports person, sports person could have been a
2: contender. I could, could have been, been somebody. Well, on as of last week, we have a new leader in this year's race to be crowned our top non-sports person. Sports person for 2022, Fiona Shaw is our new front runner on 85 points, usurping longtime top dog Nick Hornby, who now languishes in second place with 83 points. This week's guest, Brian Gleeson. Will have to give me his all-time sporting a highlight. He's going to have to give me some information on what the dickens he's doing to keep fit at the moment. And then I'll pick an athlete that I feel most closely resembles him. And then, and only then, shall I present him with that score out of 100. No actor has ever won the coveted title. Fiona Shaw is making a brave and bold bid for Thespian glory in 2022. <laughs> but these are just some of the windmills
0: that Breen Gleason will tilt at in the next hour on. Let's find out how he gets on shortly. We'd love to hear from you if you fancy getting in touch either by email, editor at secondcaptains.com, or tweet us at second captains. Brian Gleason coming right up on Second Captain Saturday after some pixies. <laughs> After big gigs in Galway and Dublin this summer, they will be playing Electric Picnic in Stradbally next weekend. Just don't expect any interaction with the crowd at all. That's it's not their thing. Not so much as a hello Galway when our producer was there in July. Murph, not that he's harbouring any grudges. No, no, no. Enjoyed the music. Listen, that's what we're no, there for, no, you know. None I, of that. Like none none of that talking of nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's Pixies of course with here comes your man on Second Captain. Here comes your man as opposed to the Irish version oh, I just here did. There. Comes here your comes your man. Your man, oh, yep. <laughs> here, here comes your man. Here he is. Yep. Uh you're listening to Second Captain Saturday and our guest this afternoon is only 34 years old. Already he has an unbelievable body of work behind him. I've mentioned some of his incredible roles in TV and in the movies. His theater work includes the Walworth farce which was a family affair alongside his father Brendan and his brother Donald, and he's currently in rehearsals for A Whistle in the Dark a play opening in the Abbey in October but I'm guessing he may have found a couple of hours for himself on Monday night to watch Manchester United beat Liverpool on a famous night at Old Trafford Brian Gleeson, <laughs> welcome to the show
1: Hey guys, thanks for having me
0: You are a Manchester United fan, yeah?
1: I am, and, and, and Peter Coonan is not who I'm, I'm doing the play with. He's a, a great actor. He's a, he's, a, he's a Liverpool fan. But, uh, yeah, you know, Martinez getting stuck in there at the start. And when he started doing that, I kind of had a good feeling, you know. Mm. You can see the sm- You guys can see the smile on my face as it's going on. <laughs> <laughs> and the listeners can, can, can hear it, but uh, we'll see. I mean, we'll see.
0: Yeah, it's been a while for uh, any Manchester United fans has had a smile on their face. So you might as well enjoy this week before whatever happens at the weekend but listen supporting Man United growing up then did you have any any favourite player any sporting hero
1: yeah I mean I, um, I loved Gaelic football when I was a kid uh, I wasn't good mm-hmm. in any way I mean I had a lot of I had a lot of energy. I was a little barreler. I was a, I was a stumpy little fella. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a barreler is an amazing
1: <laughs> word. So I did a lot of, I did a lot of uh, running around, uh, with not much to show for it, but. Uh, i always talk the lads the brothers about about kevin Moran, you know and and dad would have talked about him a lot now he was a little kind of before my time but just the, the idea of of playing football for dublin you know soccer for manchester united and representing the republic of ireland as well uh he ticked ticked all of the boxes uh and you know especially when you're young and the future's ahead of you and you don't know your crap at all of these things. Uh, you know, you kinda of think maybe I'll be you know, I could be a professional uh, Formula One driver and a tennis player throwing a bit of Gaelic there as well and you know, as the years goes on, they're all, you know, the red the red pen comes out and it goes yeah, through another yeah. one. Yeah. Uh-
0: the way it's looking, I'm actually only gonna be a professional in one sport. You know, the way, the way this is carrying on, you know. It's amazing yeah. that he did all those things. Yeah, it's just the implausibility of it. It's it's a proper... Proper kind of comic book sporting here already, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um and you know, I was uh, never able to do both of them. I, I did play uh, Gaelic football kind of in, in primary school and I got nervous to play soccer then, watching too much United, and so I joined up the with the Malhive United team, and you know, we were the we were the D team. I missed the trials, I was gonna say that first of all, that's what oh I got. I got kind of, I got lumped in there, you know. Sure, yeah, get that in there. <laughs> yeah. but, you were given the chance to build, build up from the bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I lasted one season. Um, and we were, God, we were just really routinely smashed every week, kind of 8-0, you know, 9-0, some, 10-1 sometimes. Uh, but we did, we did draw one game, I think it was against Holt Celtic, I mean the scenes of jubilation on that, on that <laughs> final whistle. <laughs> Serious, yeah, yeah. But the manager uh, sprint, sprinting over to us, and uh, uh, he was a great, he was a great guy. He took us for uh, for pizza in Mario's in Malahide Village. Oh, that's so, the uh, ultimate. That's, yeah. that's the ultimate.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember winning a table tennis match in secondary school, and the teacher dropping us off for chips on the way back. It was like yeah. this is just. I feel like a proper sporting hero here.
1: Yeah, so that was that was our one and only point uh, <laughs> in a in a, <laughs> in a great season at Malahide United. What kind of
0: a player now, were you then? What what sort of what was your role in this not not particularly successful Malahide D team?
1: I was left back. Uh, we were hilarious, though. You know, lads used to give the ball away and then just laugh. You know, um, <laughs> and at one point I kind of fancied myself as a as a bit of a midfield general. And um, I remember Dad came to one of the games and obviously I was putting on even, even more of a show and uh, you know I even at home I had the United, Man United jersey with Gleeson in the back 16 you know uh, so for this game I thought I'd be a midfield general even though I was supposed to be playing left back but I kind of wandered over towards the, the centre mm. of the pitch uh, I kind of was bellowing out instructions left right and centre and uh, yeah, obviously we lost the game and uh, uh Dan was driving me home and it was quiet. It was a quiet car and he was like, Brian, you know, I just think it's important, you know, in his own lovely way, I just, I just think it's important that, you know, you just, you take care of your own game first before you start uh, <laughs> issuing instructions <laughs> to the rest of the team.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so,
2: uh I mean, yeah. you, like, there are ways to lead, you know, there, there, there are leaders who lead by, by deed and by action and then there are others Lead with their with their words, you know.
1: But it didn't do a lot of good. The words didn't do, do any good either. But uh, but that was you your know, teammates' fault, you know. Absolutely. It just the the message was being delivered, but uh, the, the, there was nobody home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. How long did this sporting career, such as it was, last? Then
1: that was just that, that. was one year, and I mean, it was so funny. I was so into the soccer then that uh, I remember booting Morton in in, uh, in primary school uh when we were playing playing football you know he uh my, my game just immediately suffered uh and he said brian if you if you keep this up you know we're gonna put on rory your brother instead so uh that quickly got me playing a little better uh mm. but no i, I kind of didn't uh i wasn't amazed at it even though even though i loved it and you know i kind of stopped playing then when i was a teenager listen lads it was it was it was you know uh, the career was over at 13 you know yeah yeah after that that one season one and done with malahoe united um i kind of focused on i focused on different things in my life but uh you know and i went to i went to Sutton park then and they played hockey in that school but i think we tried to get a gaelic team going for a little bit just after hours uh, mr kelly uh, and myself I think he kind of put me in a leadership role. So like, Brian played the Gaelic before, you know. I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, absolutely." But mm. uh, so we didn't really get the numbers. But the lads that did show up, I was like, "Oh, well, Brian, you can play." I was like, yeah, no, no problem." And uh, I just remember the first throw-in. I kind of, I was like, I really had to make sure I catch this ball first and just make me show that I can play. And I jumped up and tried to catch and just went through my hands. I kind of. Careered off my head, you know. Uh, <laughs> I just, so it was uh, that, Again, that didn't last very long uh, either. Uh, Gaelic in Sutton Park, but uh, yeah, it wasn't. That school was. It was very much focused on um, uh, kind of drama and the arts, which I really kind of loved about it. So I think there you go. I kind of, I kind of uh, really got into things like the drama society mm-hmm. and stuff like that uh, in school. And you know i didn't really i didn't really get back into it at all, but I definitely found kind of in my mid twenties getting back into uh just running and and physical exercise, and you know you really can't kind uh, of stress the importance of it enough you know I just think it's uh, a real real lifesaver great for great for your craft, you know, uh, in terms of preparing for roles and, and, and all that kind of thing. So uh, I'm really glad I do it, you know.
0: I'll come back to that later on because that sounds really interesting. But just on your supporting Man United, I, I understand you might have been in the minority there. There was another team being supported by a couple of family members.
1: Yeah, yeah, Dad's that, a big Villa fan and uh, and Donald too. Um, so I do remember, I think it was 93, I think it was the League Cup, League Cup final. I think they'll beat United in that one. Uh, I don't it remember was
2: 94, the... wasn't it? United uh, were going for the treble, Right.
1: Do you remember the scoreline?
0: 3-1? It 3-2, something like uh, that? 3-1, I, yes. I have Dean Saunders scoring yeah. at least a goal, if not a couple of goals in my head there.
1: Uh, I remember Dad leaping out of his chair. It must be the final whistle. Uh, leaping out of his chair, and I promptly burst into tears. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's... <laughs> How could you, Dad? How could you?
2: <laughs> well, Brina, I should say that I'm actually one of four brothers as well, and I found that like sport was one not not the only thing, but a massive thing that like bonded the four of us together. What was it that would have brought the Gleason brothers together in that way?
1: Uh, I suppose it was it was what uh, about what drove us apart, really. Especially those days, no joke. I mean, you know, four boys. You know, I mean, it was total carnage, you know. Um, but music was a was a big thing uh, in our house. Irish music, you know. And dad was a fantastic guitarist and banjo player, fiddle player, and and you know, Ferguson, my brother, plays guitar. Uh, and we all played music. I mean, it wasn't the uh, Von Trapp family, but uh, mu- <laughs> music music was was a big part of our childhoods. Yeah.
2: It is that thing, I suppose, where you just whatever you can collaborate on becomes the thing that is just so much fun. You know, so I, I can imagine it was a very creative environment for you to be growing up in.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, my my dad's mom, Pakley's, and she used to love music. And so we'd make we'd make music albums uh, for her every year uh, over Christmas. That was a great thing to do together. And then when she passed on, we kind of continue doing it for, for dad and mum, you know. Just to add to the stress of Christmas,
0: throw in, you know, know, and And now to record the Christmas album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Regarding the acting, then, Brian, did that, I saw you said before, there's a magic to it that I responded to very early on. Was that a particular moment that you fell in love with this thing?
1: Uh, We used to go out to set. you know, not not all the time, but you know, I remember being out on the uh, on the the Braveheart set, um, and it really was just like stumbling across this this kind of crazy circus going on, you know. And there was something about it that I, I always found very alluring, or something. Uh, and especially the set itself always felt like it was just you know you weren't allowed to be on it so it was just a little out of reach a little further away and there was people around with headsets and you had to be quiet and i was always kind of wondering what's what's going on over there you know there was a kind of uh there's something kind of sacred about it, it was like, well, like what, what, what is that what are they doing and it is i mean it just goes back to um uh, sitting around a campfire, you know, and telling stories And there's definitely, a, a, I don't know, something kind of um, almost uh, spiritual or, or something about it It's a very old thing, you know uh, So I, I really, yeah, no, it got me, it definitely got me, you know
2: It's really interesting, that idea, the the fact that you can see the artifice Actually made it more magical for mm. you than right. than just seeing it on screen You know, that, like, okay, so this is actually how the, the, the sausage gets made uh, yeah, and even at that, the, the sort of the magic of it shone through for you that way. I, that's really cool.
1: Yeah, well, there's just so many, there's so many people there, and it's this. Well, I wouldn't call, I wouldn't call it a well-oiled machine. I mean, it's it's very chaotic, but everyone's uh, driving towards the same thing, which is to try and uh, capture this stuff through a camera lens. It's kind of it's kind of crazy, really. But uh, that's a really that's a really interesting point, you know, uh, because. A film set is, and it's it's, it's usually a, a, a dirty, mucky place, especially the Braveheart set, uh, with dirty, mucky men running around, <laughs> firing, <laughs> arrows, firing, firing uh, arrows at each other. Yeah. But, you know, especially I think for all of us, uh, movies, just from the time you're a young fella, you know, and seeing stuff in the cinema just uh, holds a real fascination.
0: Did you pick up stuff then, say in the cinema, even away from your own rather unique upbringing in terms of watching movies and people outside your own family who might have influenced you? Did you have... Who is the Kevin Moran figure is what I'm saying in the acting world for you?
1: I don't know. Yeah. I remember, I remember, I remember being really upset when, when Heat Ledger died. Mm. I really, really upset, you know, especially for young lads and, and Batman and all, and all that stuff. But... Mm. Uh, he just seemed so kind of alive, you know. He seems and that performance of Batman was so alive, you know, uh that that when he passed, I don't know, I just remember it really feeling, I just used to obsessively uh watch those those Batman trailers and just be fascinated by his by his voice and, and what he was what he was doing. Uh I, I like I I I don't know, I just I, I used to love Mitchin <laughs> and go to the cinema. Shouldn't be saying that anyway, <laughs> man would kill me. But I was there, uh, yeah, pretend to be on the set of Tiger's Tail. This is what I was saying the school. But i uh, really <laughs> yeah. going in to watch uh, yeah, three movies in, in Cineworld. The Matador, Broadback Mountain and Capote, I think was was one of them. for uh, In
2: one day. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And wow.
1: it was only the one. I just want to stress that. Only the one. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I always I always found it uh, just Relief. I found relief going in and uh, release from the world. And I I found the movie as, uh a kind of a, a safe space, you know.
0: And how did that safe space eventually help you? Because I've seen you say before that you were a really shy kid growing up. So was it the case that you could shed that shyness when you got up on stage or in front of the camera?
1: Well, you know, they say it's the, the shy person's revenge and, and all that. Um, mm. But... I was definitely very, very lucky. I was, I was very lucky. I, I don't know if I would have n- have known to try and uh, stick my foot in the door, be brave enough to try it. Had I not n- known that world growing up, mm. uh, so I was so lucky. I was so lucky, and I, and even uh, the teachers in Sutton Park when they were putting on plays, like it was it was fantastic. They got a guy John Delaney who's. Uh, a teacher in the, the Gaty School of Acting, and, like, really, really good. And he'd come into the school and, and put these plays on. And even then, I remember the music teacher thought I was, you know, thought I was good and was like, really you should go. And I, I almost had to be kind of dragged, kicking a screaming. And I just, uh, I don't know. It was only once, once I was pushed in that I realised that it was a kind of a, a home for me, you know? Mm.
2: Uh, you didn't go on to, like, formal acting school. And I was just kind of wondering how did that shape... The type of actor that you became. Do you think that it had any any influence on you one way or another that you that you didn't go to sort of a formal acting school?
1: It definitely did. I made a I made all of my terrible mistakes very early on and in public. You know, um, <laughs> and I, I I look back and think I just think from those years, you know, from eighteen to twenty one, twenty two, like where should you be and what should, what should you do? So like I think college would have been would have been a good idea, but I think I just had the bug at that stage. And mm. but it, it certainly was a lesson, you know, because I went to UCT for a few weeks, and I was starting to audition for stuff, and I had gotten a part in an RTE show. And uh, I mean, I was just t- so naive, you know. I just thought, all right, well, this is this is the way it is now. This is my life. I don't need to be. I don't need to be at UCT. <laughs> um, and uh, of course, I mean, once I left, I was out of work for you know uh for most of the next five or six years
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh,
1: i really really uh, learned a very very valuable lesson <laughs> uh in, in that time you know even though it was it was a rude awakening for sure uh, but i'm glad i'm glad it happened it made, it made me appreciate it you know
0: when you talked earlier there about how you knew what the industry was about because of coming up and seeing your dad, how direct was the influence? Did you just sort of learn by osmosis, by being around the sets, like you said, being on Braveheart, seeing him work? Or would it, would it be right to picture these deep and meaningful conversations through the night about the the craft of acting?
1: <laughs> um, well, understanding how a set works just takes years. Like it, it really does, it's its own skill set, navigating all the different departments and, and trying to shed all the unnecessary stuff and just, and just being there as an actor. And it, it takes a long time, but uh, Dad was really great, uh, especially early on with, with talking me through what I was doing wrong.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> Constructively, I'm sure.
1: One hundred percent. he No, no. He was he was absolutely uh, brilliant, and he he would help me with auditions and things. And in a way, that was kind of my uh, my training. You know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he was your acting school. It's interesting because yeah. as you've gone on and as you've made your own name, and as your brothers made it, and all, all the brothers are doing well in their own in their own fields, you haven't. I'd imagine some people might kind of run from the family thing at a certain point. You know, might might say, right, I just. I don't want to be seen as just being part of this amazingly successful family and maybe be a bit concerned about that element. But it doesn't seem like that's the case with you. You've done... I mean, you've written the TV series with, with Donal. You've been on stage with the two of them together, with Donal and with Brendan. Like, that's kind of extraordinary stuff. It's something you seem to have embraced and, and not shied away from.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the insecurities are, are always there. Uh, they're always there just to, about what you're doing. But well, You know, I mean... To be able to do it as a profession, I mean, it's it's all so ridiculous. And like, I think of Dad's generation, you know, uh, like even Sh- Sean McGinley, who I'm doing this uh, play with, you know, they they not think not take have to be uh, professional actors. Um, and all you're trying to do is just carve out carve out your own space. Just carve out your own space. So I think the thing with the family thing, like I always, I, I I do hate words like dynasty, and I don't know, just. Uh, that brings to mind it's hereditary, you know, uh, you, you know, and that it's passed on, and mm. you know, you're not, you're not, you're not kind of your own person. So you can let that stuff af- affect you, but how you, how you overcome those insecurities really is, uh, is in the work, I suppose. And uh, you know, you spur each other on as well. Um, when I see Donald do, you know, great stuff, I'm spurred on to do stuff myself. So it's, you know, it's healthy.
0: Oh, really? So there is a healthy what competitiveness? Was that what you'd say?
1: Um, I don't know With competitiveness I, I would rather Donald be doing well Than not doing well you Yes know? Yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> It's a certainly uh, Good mission to, it, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah yeah But it doesn't, it doesn't Need to be at my Expense at all I think that's what
2: and, you know. and I suppose It is like even Like acting Is so collaborative That when you Can collaborate As you did In the Walworth Farce with uh, Your brother And your dad That there's I'm sure a comfort There and a freedom There that you're You're not like Tiptoeing around Each other's emotions In a way that you would With, with other actors mm. It can maybe be Well I'll, I'll say honest But maybe it could be More brutal as well But there is kind of A freedom in that as well Maybe
1: Yeah And if the project is really good So that's just a fantastic play And we knew What we were doing in it We knew what our roles were And there was A director there Who was telling us what to do <laughs> when, we, when we had stupid suggestions So the three so... of you Working it out like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't it you know and also i mean it takes a lot of money to 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 put on a play um and you don't know if people are going to to see it and if you get a chance to do it with your family and uh, people go to see it uh i don't know i think you should just kind of be grateful <laughs> 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 that you're in that you're in that position but you know uh it's certainly uh, honest I, I find donald that Dad re- really just do not are very have very um restless kind of imaginations they're all you know always searching always always searching so uh you know it definitely is the three of us just uh telling each other amazing Uh you know those <laughs> those, those, those rehearsal rooms are, are definitely they're a cauldron of, of emotion yeah. you know they really are yeah, but yeah, like you yeah. say if, if you're with people who you trust and love sure then listen it's happy days you know
0: absolutely we're going to chat about your television career after the break Brian including your performances in the likes of Peaky Blinders and Bad Sisters and of course we'll be ranking your sporting career on Second Captain Saturday Second Captains on RTE Radio 1 sponsored by Audi Ireland future is an attitude Second Captains on RTE Radio 1 Sponsored by Audi Ireland Future is an attitude Second Captain, First Captain, whatever You're listening to Second Captain Saturday with Owen and Murph and we're having a really enjoyable chat today with the brilliant Irish actor Brian Gleeson Breen, we mentioned earlier in the show that you're starring in this new Apple TV series, Bad Sisters, which is a few episodes in. I love it already. It's about a group of sisters who have another sister whose life is being destroyed by her husband. So the sisters, how should we put this? They take matters into their own hands, let's say that. This is a huge international show and it's aimed at a worldwide audience. It's on Apple TV, but it also feels very Irish at the same time. Was that the plan?
1: yeah yeah i, I, I mean th- there's loads of um little little details like I was, I was chatting to your producer you know he just mentioned the Bowes cup and in in thomas oh the Plattons. bohemians yeah. cup yeah. yeah 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 that's your that, character thomas yeah, yeah. Well. And those little details are are kind of great so like i don't think they say they're in hope or, or scaries or anything um it's universal in the sense that we're not, we're, we're not being Super, super specific with it being Irish, but you know Sharon, Sharon is Irish, and she she just you know it's it's her show. I mean, she's really uh, hit a kind of rich, rich vein of form. And what I love about it is kind of how it's kind of genre busting, really. You know, it's so crazy what they're what what they're doing, and and what they get up to. But because the relationship between the sisters are are so it's just it's so funny and so relatable. You're kind of with them all the way through. But then you're left not not knowing what to think because uh, what they're doing is so terrible. But also, <laughs> um, also who they're doing it to is so terrible. So you're kind of left going, "What is this show?" It's kind of interesting, you know. It's kind of, <laughs> of a few different things, you
2: know. Yeah, and your character uh, Thomas Claffin is an insurance salesman who's determined not to pay out on the life insurance policy mm-hmm. of the husband who's in a bit of bother with the uh, dealing with the five sisters. So everyone has, they're working an angle. No one's an absolute bad guy except for the husband from the first two episodes that I've seen. And everyone else has redeeming qualities as well as malign intentions. And I think that, as you say, like, so there's that going on in all the characters as well as the kind of genre busting that you mentioned there as well. Mm. So it's really so difficult to get a beat on what exactly is going on and that's why that's why it works so well because you're watching so what am i supposed to be thinking here at, at a, you know, every five minutes your head is like kind of turned around another 180 degrees
1: yeah totally and so like thomas uh thomas claffin so one of my friends said to me, God, he's a, such a weasel, isn't he? I said, now, hang on a second, you know, he's a, he is a weasel, but he's a weasel who loves his wife, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's why it's so great, because he's he's introduced as, as kind of uh, such, a, you know, uh, obnoxious kind of character. But the genius is there that you follow him for a little bit and, he, you know, he goes back to his wife, who's laid up... Uh, uh, you know and she's pregnant and, and you start to see his family life and, and what he's dealing with and when you really cement those kind of realities then you're able to throw in uh the obnoxious behavior you know on on top of that so that's what i that's what i loved about it. And, and sharon just uses humor in such a great way to kind of unlock unlock the humanity in the, in the scenes you know uh like the first scene with thomas Claffin, he's in the car and he's telling his brother about about the case, you know, and he's trying to reach back for his folder and he can't get it, and, you know, it's just really stupid looking. And eventually his brother gets the case for him and, and gives it to him. And it's just, it's, it's a tiny little thing, but it's like, it kind of sums up what's going on with the two of them and, you know, kind of sums up their story in a way. So it's just little things like that. And it's in, a, it's in every scene, she has something like that. Uh, and it's, especially with kind of streaming content now you know 10 episodes is a lot uh but she's able to kind of keep the consistency going which is uh, which is just great you know it's
0: great how much thought do you have to put in or or do you put in in advance so you you see something like this you go right i love this character i love this show like whatever reasons you have for taking on a project from there to the point that you actually hit the set how much thought goes into what you're going to bring to the character
1: Uh, uh, yeah a lot once once you know you're doing it 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 kind of starts to take over really and you know and and the research element is is very important but really you have to remember just to go back to the script at all times and what I find great about this and what we talked about in rehearsals was that you know uh, if the sisters are kind of living out in the coast and kind of you know, the nice glam houses. Thomas is a little bit more of a of, of a city boy, you know, and that's something that we just kind of found during rehearsal, so then you're kind of introduced to this kind of, kind of a slight class element to it, you know, he's living the in- The
2: bohemian smug. Uh,
1: uh, yeah, and he's living, you know, he's, he's, he lives above the office and he's going out to these sisters and, you know, he's right there, you know, they have been up to something. Uh, and so he's barreling in and so there's just little details like that, that kind of open out the, uh, open out the person in a way. And yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no secret to it apart from just sitting down with a cup of coffee at a script and just spending the time, you know?
0: Talk to us about a, another role, that of Jimmy McCavern in Peaky Blinders, a slightly different, uh, slightly different <laughs> TV show and a different role there. I saw you say before that there's an almost vaudeville bigness to everything in Peaky Blinders. What did you mean by that?
1: I have no idea. On oh, I have no idea. You say, I say a lot you of things. Some things. things. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I
0: think we've all done that. It's like, did I say that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the language is so uh, muscular and and big. Mm-hmm. And Stephen Knight, who created, uh, who created it, always talks about, you know, given, given the working classes of England, kind of like their own kind of mythology, the way the Westians are in in the states, mm-hmm. you know, or or, or those old uh, gangster picks that you, that you lean into the into the mythology of it you know so there's that and that lends itself to big operatic sort of stuff and, and leaning into it so i suppose that's that's what i meant um, <laughs> but i, I think uh, i think with peter byers I, I found you know they're all all the, the guys in that are in the aftermath of the first world war and i think you know jimmy McCaffrey in the script was described as having scars inside and out, you know, because he's such an I- evil dude, you know, you kind of go, what, how do you, how do you go about doing that? But, you know, all of those guys and the Scots and, and the Ulster Scots, you know, uh, those certain tribal identities would have been forged in, in, in the fact that so many of them sacrificed for the empire. Uh, and I think that's how you kind of make sense of the lads in that show a little bit, you know. Yeah,
0: he was the, lead, the leader of the Billy Boys in got the, the Billy Boys, show. Yeah, yeah just so pe- people are aware of what that is. So how does that work in practice, though? You're talking about how big this is, how operatic it is. Is it the case that there's no, almost no such thing as overacting in, in this kind of a role? It's just you gotta you got to go for it 100%, even if you're afraid that you might be becoming a little bit ridiculous. This is not the case because everything is just a little bit exaggerated.
1: Yeah. But you have to, you have to mean it. You have to absolutely mean it. And I mean, I I, I found doing it worried about, worried about the accent or about this or that. And the director was great saying, look, you have you have to go for it you know put your shoulders back and give me just give me an evil smile will you right we'll, we'll, we'll put the flames in your pupils and <laughs> of the thing that you <laughs> explode in post production um, <laughs> but uh, you know doing a different voice kind of really helps you know get that lower register going mm-hmm. um and, and again it's very easy like the language is such that you kind of you have to lean into it, otherwise it uh, it sounds really
0: stupid. Mm, you got a bit of stick for the Scottish accents, Brian. I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to bring this up because personally, I like, it seemed fine to me. But then again, I'm not Scottish, and I know how we can get kind of prickly here as well when somebody gets anything. You know, we feel they don't totally nail the accent. Was that did did that actually bother you at all?
1: Oh, for sure, yeah. for sure. I, I mean. Like Sam Neill did an Irish accent in it, but I thought it—I thought it worked because again, he just kind of, kind of went for it. It's, it's about being unashamed about it, mm. and mm. you know there is a oh my god, I can't believe we going into this again. Like I know, but like there is a the dialect coach. who was actually really good, and from Scotland, said so we don't want to do a kind of a, a modern Scottish. which is a little, a little different. You want to just lean into that older thing and if you listen to older Irish accents mm-hmm. they sound absolutely mad if you listen <laughs> to clips of uh, of Samuel Beckett chatting the, the super fluidity of the language you know and got, <laughs> uh, so this is obviously me uh, trying to uh, <laughs> try to still say that I absolutely absolutely nailed it no but um, like I was saying earlier the director at one point just said just just forget that just forget trying to get every syllable right, and uh, and just go for it because um, that's the only way it's going to work.
0: You said earlier on. Now we have your your highlight. This is something that we need to do in any show before we start ranking your sporting life. I think your highlight has to be that that one point that you got as part of yeah. Malahide under twelve team. But Chalk
2: it down. I've got it here, on Don't worry. You've got we it there, need, need, no further questions required. No further
0: questions. We do need to know. You did say that you're doing a bit of running now. Can you just elaborate a bit on what that's doing for you? it Seems to be making quite a quite a positive impact in your life.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, got, I got into it uh, just the last few years, and I, I mean, I found it great during lockdown. I, I really did. Um, uh, I didn't enjoy those park runs so much. Right? You know, I used to live in London. You'd go around Highbury Fields, and there'd mm-hmm. be dads with the prams, you know, yeah. with, the, with the buggies, with the kids in it, doing <laughs> lapping around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Demoralising. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: Brian, uh, you're talking to a man you know mcdavid he was once overtaken running a marathon by a man wearing a giant banana suit so
0: there is no judgment here on this show do fear not the banana cramped up around mile 23 and i caught back up with him so you know i got my that's a part of the story i almost never mentioned but it is it is just that also just so handy you just kind of leave your wherever you are there's always somewhere to run i find
1: yeah for sure you know um I just remember, I'm just remembering all these embarrassing stories. I was uh, in in London earlier in the year and uh, I was staying in a hotel and I went to use the hotel gym and it was like one of these big spaces, but like not a huge amount of machines or things. And it was totally empty apart from one woman who was running on a treadmill in the corner, it was just her. And I I had gone there to find a treadmill to run. And beside her was the only other treadmill in this uh giant gym so i was like well listen I, you know i, I you know, i'm just gonna have to go over there she may not like it because i know what it's like You, it's nice to have the space to yourself but uh i went over and got on it and it's one of these like it's like a curved it's like a curved treadmill with all these grooves in it you know it was all very all very confusing um and she's running away there and the two treadmills are very very close together and uh i started up the treadmill uh and immediately fell over, um, by trailing foot, and kind of hit one of the grooves. But I didn't actually completely fall over. I kind of stumbled a little bit, you know, uh, and then and then proceeded to stumble a little bit more every kind of every uh, every ten seconds for like two minutes, you know. And then then I just turned off the machine and pretended like I had done my workout and left
0: the
1: gym. <laughs> <laughs> so what she was the thought, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Well, funny,
0: uh, Sharon Horgan, who you mentioned earlier, was a guest in the show. Uh, she has a, qu- quite a pedigree. She came third in the Meath cross-country. I don't even remember this, Murph. Running barefoot cross-country in yes. Meath. Uh, eventually gave yeah. up aged around 14 because she wanted to hang around draw the shopping center smoking fags instead so i mean it, i don't know how long the running career necessarily lasted but that's the kind of caliber we're dealing with so how much are you getting out are you getting out often are you, what sort of distances are we talking about
1: ah uh, listen i do i do the 5k uh which which i enjoy doing and got locked down with you know uh the dirt of work and everything else i was you know just To do, had to do something, you know. (laughs) Uh, But I was, I was, yeah. And I got a couple of fifteen ks in there, you know. But you can't talk it up too much. I I thought I really, really helped in those, in those, in those ridiculous summer months when we were all wondering what was
0: going on, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I think Murph, we're 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 flying it here. I think the time has come now to decide if acting's gain was the sporting world's loss when uh, when Brian here packed in the football as a teenager. Please, Kieran, could you rank? This sporting life of Brian Gleason.
1: You don't understand. I could have had class.
0: We don't have stars in this game, Mr. Weaver. What well, do you have then? People like me.
2: I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. Okay, Brain, we have reached a stage in the show where I must assess your all-time sporting highlight. Pick an athlete that I feel most closely resembles you and your sporting achievements and then present you with a score out of 100 to discover if you can be crowned our top non-sportsperson sportsperson for 2022. The image of your Aston Villa sporting father celebrating that mm-hmm. Dean Saunders brace in the Co- Coca-Cola Cup Final in 1994 as his poor son cried in the corner, was quietly <laughs> devastating in its way, made rather less devastating on reflection by the fact that that six-year-old would promptly go on to enjoy 20 straight years of Manchester United domination of the English domestic game. Your time with the Malahide United Under-12s had its challenges, of course, but that one single draw It's reason to celebrate, of course it is. And really, who are we to turn our noses up at such drama, given we've played 13 games across three football World Cups and drawn eight of them? We are a nation enthralled to the draw. So why would we ask the Malahide Under-12s to be any different? Has there ever been an Irishman so happy with a draw? Well, maybe Mick McCarthy, who loved to draw so much, he basically negotiated one with Hullett out on the pitch with the Netherlands when there were still 20 minutes to go in our last group game in Italia 90 points added for your current running efforts and for not being a bore about it like (laughs) Owen though it's only fair to deduct points for your shambolic attempts to introduce Gaelic football to your secondary school you know what it's all good enough I reckon for 74 points it's not enough to trouble our leader Fiona show but it's still a very very respectable score Braindles and this has been your sporting
0: life Solid enough, Brian. Happy enough with a spot yeah. in the 70s there?
1: Very, very happy. Uh so it was absolutely brilliant to talk to i a big fan. So thanks enough.
0: Oh, ah brilliant now Brian it was amazing. Round of applause please for Brian Gleason. What a guest. Thank you so much. Millionaire by Matiel from their excellent album Satisfactory is your second and final tune of the day on Second Captain Saturday. Brian Gleason was a great sport, wasn't he? Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely loved that chat. I have to say, though, I did start the show by giving him serious kudos for his ability to combine his leaving cert with his role in The Tiger's Tale. Now, if I'd realised he was actually playing the two off against each other mm. and going to Cineworld instead to watch a triple header, I just, I don't know if I would have been so kind. <laughs> I mean, well, I'll tell I it. suppose he can claim it was research.
2: I mean, of course. I mean, you know, it, an actor's uh, job is to reflect life. So just living, just being in the world is research mm-hmm. if you're an actor. I will tell you one thing, though, Owen. If he paid for all three of those cinema tickets, he's a more honest man than me. Just walk <laughs> through what he has to do there. you got to get past the usher. You go to the first movie. Do you then... L- Leave the screen. Go all the way back down. All of the escalators. <laughs> buy another ticket and go back past. I mean, you're I mean just, I, you're,
0: yeah, you're just inconveniencing everybody working yeah, there. Really, I, by, by going to
2: honestly, I don't see it. Uh, he he came across as an honest broker, own a straight shooter. But I mean, there are limits to everyone's patience. Some sure. great
0: images in there. I just uh, uh, his, <laughs> his dad's pep talk in the car after Brian's mouthy display for the Malahide United tea team. You just <laughs> I, you can almost hear it in Brendan Gleeson's soothing tones. You know, just 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 take care of your yeah. own game first before issuing instructions to the rest <laughs> of the team. There, beautifully done, beautifully done. That's it for today. But you can of course hear plenty more from us Monday to Friday on SecondCaptains.com. This has been a Second Captains production for RTE. Killian Down produced the show. Thank you to Janney Lanagan and Elizabeth Laragie in RTE. Mark Horgan is the series producer for Second Captains. Stay tuned to RT Radio 1 for the latest Dock on 1. Thanks Murph. Thank you on. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.